0: of Britson is going to do in the 1500. He has time to look behind him. 20 years of age and he is on top of the world. But coming
1: down for a maiden national crown, Cornwall is the champion. Garouz has won his result. has he? Has he got anything left? elgaroo's trying to get there. Kipchoge the
2: junior. Olly of Australia comes. Jake Whiteman has just spits. It's going to be Chariot and Hoare
1: who's going to get it. It's going to be Australia! The gold! Pre-order now and
2: make a difference. Experience the ultimate in trail running with the Tarkine Trail Devil. With its impressive combination of eco-friendly materials and advanced technology, this footwear is designed to conquer any terrain. Whether you're looking to run UTMB or simply explore the great outdoors, the Tarkine Trail Devil offers unmatched versatility, support, durability, and comfort. Featuring a lightweight and responsive design with loads of support, your legs will thank you as you crush personal best and conquer new terrain. With our company focused on sustainability and ethical manufacturing processes, you can feel good about your impact on the planet. Also, as a pre-order promotion, you have the opportunity to decide where 10% of your order fee will be donated. All pre-orders will receive their shoes during May to June 2023. Visit Tarkine.com.
0: Well, ladies and gentlemen, an icon of Australian distance rain joins us here today with 25 years experience at the highest level of our sport. Having contributed so much to running not-for-profit and for-purpose initiatives both on and off the track, Eloise Willings is a name that reverberates to dedication, performance, grace, kindness, and honesty with whoever she comes across, whether that be fellow Olympians or locals jogging around the Sylvania Wars Athletics Track with her in the Southern Shire of Sydney. Having two top ten performances over the five and ten thousand metres at the rail Olympics, and currently trying to better. A two twenty five ten marathon personal best to make yet another Olympic team in Paris next year. I'd like to introduce the one only Elsie to the Runs Tribe podcast here today. Welcome, Elsie.
1: Hey James! Wow, what an intro. Thank you. I, I
0: worked hard on that one. Not really. It was it was all off the top of my head. Didn't really have
1: to that. <laughs> oh, that was kind. Thanks.
0: Um, you're How right are you home. doing? Oh, no, I'm well. I'm well. I think we're on a, a little bit of a delay as well. So apologies if I cut you off at any point over the next hour or so. Um, I was just going to say, All you're, you're at home at the moment in, um, in the uh, Southern
1: Shore? I'm close to home. I'm actually at, at our Love Mercy office today. Uh-huh. I mean, my lunch break. Um, <laughs> um, but, yeah, I'm hiding here in the storeroom. Teams out there in the office, they can probably still hear me. I bet they're laughing at me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no here at the office on Wednesdays, which is fun um, with the team. But yeah, did a easy twenty-two k this morning before I came up, and um, yeah, just kicking out the miles.
0: I love it, easy twenty-two k. You wouldn't be able to say that for most most runners. But um, we'll we'll get into uh, <laughs> we'll get into some of the, the the initiatives that um you're so heavily involved with in a second. I just want to kick off with um. your your last event, the Sydney 10 um, out here at uh, Sydney Olympic park about a week and a half ago. Um, You took the the win in that one. Um, Your first Sydney 10 in eight years. I just wanted to ask, I guess a couple of questions on both personally where where you, I guess, were in your career in 2015. It was a year before um, the, the amazing Rio Olympic uh, campaign. Mm. you had, And I guess any differences with how you approached that race as to what you would have eight years ago.
1: Um, to be honest, I don't really remember much about um, 2015 uh, Sydney 10. I I remember having fun every time I've done that race, such a well-organised race. Um, and, you know, kudos to you, James and your team, uh, for putting on such a fun event. I do remember getting back, um, feeling really good in 2015, um, you know, being to the Commonwealth Games, previous year um Indy was about well, she was almost two years old um I, by yeah 2015 and so you know I was back into um what I'd say a, like higher level of of training and, and racing and um ready to kick off um yeah some road races and then into some track overseas I remember um you know, it's it's actually a really perfect time to have a ten k road race like that, especially you know on a reasonably fast course. And um, there's not a lot around um, at this time of year, but you know, having um, having the Sydney Ten on at this time of year is is actually really helpful going into a, a track season. And you know, it was one of my most successful track seasons in 2015. So I was I was glad to kick it off with the Sydney Ten before I left for Europe.
0: Fantastic. Um, yeah.
2: I
1: want
0: to jump forward in time to pretty much now. Um, and mm-hmm. you're an out-and-out marathoner now, uh, which is, yeah. it's it's a big jump. I actually remember when you made that jump as well. Uh, we were at Bankstown with about three other runners and four other people. Um, and you were trying a last-ditch effort to qualify for the Tokyo Olympics in the five thousand meters. Yep. Um did mm. quite hold off. But I think I remember having a couple of words to you, pretty much thirty seconds after the finish line, saying. Yep, marathon time now. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, it was it was an interesting time that like it was so it was strange. Like and we will never go through that time again. I'm hoping, you know, in that, you know, we we're trying to qualify for an Olympic Games on this bear track, you know. There was a splattering of family and friends that came to watch me, which was amazing, had you know, felt like I had a lot of support. Um, but it was just so different, you know, um, and I which I imagine the actual Olympic Games was with no crowd and um, you know, not much atmosphere and energy in the stadium. But, um, yeah, just simply wasn't wasn't fast enough to 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 get the time and um did everything that I could, put everything into it, and um, unfortunately just just wasn't able to, to to get the time and yeah it was disappointing i took some you know days probably a couple of weeks if i'm honest to kind of grieve the the disappointment and um, you know because you spend a you spend a good chunk of the build up actually tr- helping your like getting your brain and your mind to believe that this this could happen and so then when it does, is you know, there's a letdown and there's there's uh there's some resolving to do in your head. And so I took that time and then, you know, it wasn't long before, you know, Nick and I spoke and started to talk about the next thing and that um, you know, I've always well not always, <laughs> um that's a lie, I've for a long time been thinking about doing a marathon. It's just a matter of when the right time was um and then seemed like the right time and you know it was tricky to find one that I could get to because we were you know we basically went into lockdown straight after I had a crack at that 5k for Tokyo the second lockdown or third I can't even remember now but um yeah but thankfully Nick was able to get me a start in the London Marathon and I, I had a new goal and I felt like okay, I've got something fresh to work towards. I still love running. I still feel like I've got a lot to give here. Um, I need a new challenge. I want something new. And the marathon seemed like um, the best next thing to move up to. And, um, yeah, I was definitely apprehensive, Um because of, you know, the uncertainty and the unknown and how was it going to feel? I think I said to my training partner, you know, a couple of times a week in the build-up in that sort of nine or ten weeks prior, I wonder what this is going to feel like, you know, and he'd never done one either. So, like, he couldn't tell me, it's just this question that I'd put out there that would just kind of (laughs) hang. And he was always just kind of like, you're about to find out, you know, like... And I think that's how I went into London, just um, really curious about um, what could be possible and um, definitely afraid and definitely fear of how, you know, painful it might be or uncomfortable or, you know, what might happen or whether I can make the distance. Like all of these thoughts that your brain sort of um, comes up with when there's a threat. a potential threat and you know it was just about kind of quietening quietening that voice and going um like I'm here for this and this is what I want to do and leaning into that um that challenge and leaning into um what could be was what gets you to the start line and obviously then what gets you to the finish and yeah it was an incredible experience that first London marathon To run a major for my first one was amazing um, because the crowd was incredible. The UK weren't in lockdown anymore, so it was a completely different environment to what I'd come from Mm -hmm. um, in Australia. And, yeah, at the time my life out there and thought I want to do that again and I can't wait to do that again. Like I just started thinking about when I was going to do another one as soon as I crossed the finish line. Um, as much as it hurt and as much as physically spent I was, it was such a buzz to um, to accomplish something like a full marathon.
0: You, you had a suburb start. Uh, you ran 229 in your debut. So to go sub 230 is, is absolutely no mean feat. I thought you had a great run. And I was lucky enough to actually talk to you just before and just after that race as well and i think we went through almost k by k for about 90 minutes which i, I absolutely loved um that that time, at the time um you've run five more since then you've gone 229 229 225 10 which was your pb at nagoya in 2022 um 230 uh, 234 and then 232 at Nagoya again this year so it's sort of been Ooh. like a wild ride the first six <laughs> uh, <and> in, <laughs> all in the space of about 18 months as well which is quite incredible um it, there's probably not many elite marathoners going around doing the first six in the first 18 months um mm. you just describe I guess you know I, are you happy with where you are as a marathon at this stage in, in your career
1: Yeah, I am. I am happy. I mean, I was like, there's every single marathon that I've done, whether it's been like the performance that I was after or not, it's I've learned from it. And I know that it's going to be, it's going to set me up for my next good day. And, you know, my last couple of marathons have been disappointing New York. I didn't feel like I, um, I ran as well as I expected and then Nagoya again. And, I mean, there was all there was reasons for these and I could go into them. I found out I had low iron, you know, a month out from Nagoya this year. I had to get that sorted. Um, I had some tummy issues and then I had, a, had a gastro the week before. I almost didn't run Nagoya this year, um, but I did and I decided to and that was my decision and I committed to that and um yeah you just kind of have to once you commit it's kind of once I commit I'm kind of like I'm in this and I'm gonna finish and uh yeah it wasn't it wasn't I guess the experience that I was hoping for but I still learned a lot there was still a lot of things that I was really proud of um still many things in the races that haven't gone well that I'm really proud of and I can still look back and go, yeah, you know, these are the things that went really well. These are things that I want to do better with next time. These are things that I can address. Um, And, you know, some, you know, there was a poor race in Marigami, half marathon that I did that caused me basically to go, something is not quite right here. I am not feeling myself and caused me to go and get a blood test and find out that, yeah, like my iron levels were extremely low and I've never had low iron before. So it was a matter of like working out cause and, um, you know, we got on top of that and, um, but it was just kind of a little bit late for Nagoya this year. So, you know, there's all, um, I feel like in the marathon to have a really, uh, to have a really great, race most things need to go right and the one percenters show up as 10 percenters the longer you go so you know gastro the week before a 10k race isn't going to show you know you might not even notice and i've i've been sick the week before a 10k race and you know recovered and been okay in a 10k the week after but in a marathon you just can't you can't really afford to have that um to have that I guess set back in the week before and um but again like I decided to race and um I was all in I'd done all the training I still believe that you know I could potentially get away with it and I did for a little bit (laughs) and then until I didn't Um, and it's just all learning I guess and yeah, I mean, here I am I'm getting ready for another one and excited about the possibility of that. And, um, yeah, I think I still finished Nagoya this year thinking about what marathon I was going to do next, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I still was, you know, and I still finished New York thinking about what marathon I was going to do next. And, um, yeah, so I still feel like I've got a lot to give. My training shows that. My headspace shows that motivation and all of those things, I think, play a big part um, in, you know, your consistency and your ability to be able to perform at a high level and those things are all, you know, um, still going really well. And so I think I just need to keep um, putting the work and showing up and, you know, keep believing for for more good days
0: yeah i think when you talk about finishing the marathon and thinking about the next one so many people have exactly the same uh mental attitude i know i've i've felt the same way there'll be six hour marathoners that felt the same way as well so it's um it's really interesting to hear that you're going through some of the same mindsets as what all the rest of us are going through so it's really interesting
1: yeah um yeah was... totally I mean it's sorry you're gone sorry, <laughs> oh, you go on. <laughs> that sorry.
0: Delay. that's what I was talking about so you, you go on I
1: was no it's all good I was gonna say we're like professional athletes or sub elite or you know weekend warriors we're no different to any you know we no. we're not different like our um our brain is gonna find things to be fearful of and it's about you know getting the tools and the skills to be able to overcome those and yeah and I think that when you have a disappointing race it's about you know being real and honest and then just trying to move on as as quickly as you can and look at the next good thing
0: I can imagine in your 15 hours there or thereabouts in marathoning so far um, there's probably a couple of standout memories um, maybe the crowds in New York, yep. Indian sunny at the Com Games on the sidelines in Birmingham. Mm. Um, what some of the, you know, were there a couple of things outside of the times themselves that really stand out to you think, okay, I made, I made the right choice here to become a marathoner?
1: I think if I went through them one by one, it'd be London going across Tower Bridge, um, crazy, like deafening crowd, couldn't hear myself breathing anymore. And at that point I was heavy breathing (laughs) it was up I think it was just after halfway and you know like I could hear myself breathing normally um then running towards the finish line down you know this down near Buckingham Palace uh then Melbourne Marathon doing it with my friend Rory like Johnny riding the bike is out um without with my drinks with my special drinks um him yahooing and being like (laughs) being my hype guy especially in the last 10k uh having to stop to go to the toilet in that race which was awkward and um you know every runner's worst nightmare but overcoming that and qualifying for com games and world champs and then um yeah com games or oh, Nagoya actually was before then, <laughs> Nagoya coming into the finish line, not knowing what time I was on because I was just in flow, what I think was flow for pretty well most of the race, not considering what time I was on, just being completely present, and then coming into the the dome that you finish in and seeing the finishing time and just being completely shocked. Um, was a cool moment, and then like not really being able to walk after I crossed the stage line. <laughs> um, um, com games, see my family. Yeah, my kids on the on the sidelines cheering me on. That was cool. Got to give India a high five as I went by at one point. Um, that was really special and something I know that she will never forget. Johnny was on the drink stations at Com games as well on the five or ten k drink station, which was great. And New York, it was my birthplace. Mum and dad came over, my sister came over um, with her partner and they were getting around on the subway and, um, yeah, just hearing me on and, you know, the fun that we had over there just because it was New York City. Um, and then, yeah, Nagoya, just everything that I learned giving it a good crack, going out the fastest that I've ever gone out in in a marathon to halfway and um, putting myself out there and believing for a really good day and not having it pay off, but um, still knowing that it will happen eventually if I keep, you know, getting the work done. Yeah, that really, were the highlights. Really
0: no, it's a really good summary. And uh, I was I was actually lucky enough to be in New York that day to see you and Jess go past. And um I haven't I haven't been to London, but I, I just remember the crowds. Um I don't think really anyone cared that much what they were running. It was a very humid day as well, it has to be said. You know, everyone's oh. times were down. Um so but yeah, just the crowds were phenomenal. So um yeah. yeah I'd love to run that one myself one day too.
1: <laughs> yeah, you should.
0: Um the World Major. So that that's a nice segue into the next thing I want to pick up. Um you're 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 an ambassador for, for the Sydney Marathon and it's getting a lot of um and uh discussion around it at the moment for good reason. It's it's one of the candidates for the world major marathon series. I'm aiming to become the, the seventh uh world major um in our home country, which would be a phenomenal effort. I want to just talk yeah. about, I guess, some of the, the challenges around the event and, and one that's been really highlighted by uh Wayne, the um Race director and a lot of other runs around Sydney and, and Australia as a whole is getting enough people actually running the marathon. Because to be honest, Australia is not a marathon country. We we have a lot of runners, but we have a lot of ten k yeah. and half marathons. um What do you think? Some of the I guess the key things for people to take that big step up from you know having run one or two half marathons to actually challenge themselves to to run a marathon for the first time. What were a couple of what are the couple of, I guess, pieces of advice that you would have for those people who might be on the fence at the moment?
1: Yeah, I guess I think just believing that they can do it, you know, believing that they can they can run the distance of a marathon. The cutoff time is seven hours now. You can walk, jog a marathon in that time and there is no shame in walking lots of people walk in parts of a marathon even some of the elite runners walk parts of the marathon you saw Safan Hassan in the London marathon a couple of weeks ago stop and stretch a quad you know like there is no shame in, in stopping in, in walking parts of a marathon and, and just really conquering the distance it's not about the time um, it's just about getting through the distance, and that that will be the biggest challenge. Um, and you know there's the uncertainty, but I think turning uncertainty into opportunity, you know people people might be thinking, oh, you know i've I've never run that far. I don't know if I can. but it's it's totally normal to feel fear and in apprehension about the unknown. Our brains actually crave you know certainty and and control, but life is full of uncertainty, you know, it's about learning to embrace, um, you know, uncertainty with, with curiosity. And that's all I did in my first marathon. And I know that's what many other um, people have done before they've run their first marathon. There's always fear, always uncertainty. There's not one person standing on the starting line that is not, that doesn't have fear of the unknown. Um, but when you embrace a marathon as an opportunity to lean into that unknown, you up—you you just open up great possibilities. Um, and it's, it's here, it's in that place that you learn that you can count on yourself to do difficult things. You can count on yourself to do hard things. And, yeah, that's what I'd say to someone who's kind of on the cusp of wondering whether they should step up in distance to the marathon. And, I mean, what what an opportunity to be part of history, to, to um, help Sydney get across the line as a, a candidate for a major marathon. And, you know, Sydney is an iconic um, city. It is a beautiful city. We get to run across the Harbour Bridge. Um, you get to see so many other landmarks around Sydney and the course is stunning. Um, and I'm really believing for Sydney to become, you know, an iconic marathon like New York, um, like the, these other major marathoners that, uh, these other major marathons that people want to come out and watch and that people want to come out and run that they basically, um, yeah, they work their whole schedule, fitness training schedule around for this one race per year, um, uh, where they have just an absolute blast and, um, yeah, and they can, and they learn that they can, again, that they can do difficult things. So, yeah, really excited, super um, privileged to be an ambassador for City Marathon and can't wait to hear all of the stories of people that were sitting at home wondering whether they should do it and, you know, thinking of all of these fears and doubts and nervous worries and then going stuff that i'm just going to register and i'm going to take one day at a time do all the physical work i'm going to learn the mental skills um to 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 help me gain confidence that i can actually do this and i'm going to show up and i'm going to see what's possible um i can't wait to hear those stories
0: that doesn't matter that year run (laughs) 42.195 Well said. Um, just looking at it from a slightly different perspective, and off air, we were just talking about, um, I guess, the professionalization of of marathons, and I guess in Australia, um, it's it's no secret that money is pretty far, uh, few and far between um, for for elite runners. The the actual professionalization component of having a world major, and I guess, the commercial opportunities for um, up and coming athletes in Australia. It's a huge leg up probably for our sport as a whole, not just for actually engaging in the community, but maybe engaging that next sort of sub-elite talent and, and getting them to sort of a, a world-class level. What are some of the opportunities that will come about from the world major, but then maybe after 25, 26, where it does get this, well, if and when it gets the um that major status? And I guess... In the lead into things like the Olympics in, in Brisbane, twenty thirty two, because it just seems to me that all these sort of stars for our athletes are, are aligning a little bit here.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. I think that there's, you know, there's a huge opportunity for for sub elite runners. I mean, even with the the Australian Championships um, for clubs and age groups now at the Sydney Marathon, um, and then obviously with the uh, the the opportunity for the for the already a professional runners, the elite runners, um, to to run on a course like Sydney, um, to be part of a major marathon like Sydney, uh, it's it's a huge privilege to run a major marathon, and and professional runners don't take that lightly. And you know if if when we do get across the line as as a major, I think it'll be a huge boost for 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 running in general, for athletics, for getting people moving um, around Australia as we head towards the Brisbane 2032. You know, the Sydney Marathon was a legacy event of the Sydney Olympics. And, you know, there's there's, there's no mistaking in that. There's, there's I can see, um, you know, that history and um, that momentum that we're building now will carry us through to to, to those Olympics and hopefully really encourage a lot of, um, families and, and kids that are already moving to, to keep moving and, um, and or to get moving, and to, and also um, you know for for club runners and um, age groupers alike as well, it provides a fantastic opportunity for competition and for, on a national stage.
0: Excellent. Uh, I want to get on to uh, one of your many. I will call call off the road now, no longer off the track, off the road um yeah. initiatives. And uh and one that I I really resonate with. I, I did psychology at uni. Um, your training partner, Rory Darkins, is doing a PhD, I think, in performance psychology. Um, you've teamed up to uh, to basically create a couple of different courses one's called the marathon state of mind which is the uh, exclusive to the sydney marathon but the other one as well is the young athlete state of mind these yeah. are really interesting concepts because so often we talk about um splits mileage training plans race recaps in distance running and in in my opinion far uh not not enough on all the other stuff around it, particularly on the mental side of, of marathoning mm-hmm. in such a mental game, particularly as you go up in distance. Do you want to just talk a little bit about um, what that course involves? But I guess just the the things that you've learned on the way, not just over the past 18 months, but you know, over the 25 year um, career you've had on the mental side of things and, and how important that is to not only get the best time, but the, the best out of yourself when you're racing.
1: Yeah, thanks, James. Um, yeah, we're really excited about our Marathon State of Mind. Marathon State of Mind is the the, the brand, I guess, and under that is a couple of courses that we're now offering. Um, and one of them is the Young Athlete State of Mind course. Uh, it goes for three weeks. And as you said, I've been working with um, my training partner, Rory, who's a psychology practitioner, he's a mental skills coach um, to high performers around the world. He's my mental skills coach. Um, we linked up about eight years ago and we've been speaking in schools and presenting um, corporately as well, uh, a presentation called Unlock Your Olympian Mindset. And, yeah, just in the last sort of 12 to 18 months, we have been talking and developing Um, this course specific to young athletes. And I guess it came about because I know how challenging it can be for a young athlete. You know, my teenage years were were riddled with self-doubt and comparison and injuries and and pressure and nerves. And, um, you know, I was training so hard physically, but it never occurred to me that I could transform my experience by just training my mind and you know through my 25 years as you said as a professional athlete I've since learned that we can train our minds like we train our bodies and I wish I knew that when I was 15 it would have saved me a lot of a lot of heartache and it would have helped me to enjoy um my sport a lot more and yeah that's why I teamed up with with Rory and basically to empower young athletes with the mental skills that they need to describe in sport, but just not just in sport, in life as well. Um, And yeah, we're super passionate about supporting young athletes and um, on, you know, from a range of different sports, it's not just, not just athletics, not just running, um, on our course at the moment, so we're actually going through our first one at the moment. Um, we've got soccer players, uh, football players, obviously runners, um, but from from a range of different sports because the mental skills that you need as a young athlete they're across the board. It doesn't doesn't change um, just because of the sport that you play. Um, the skills that you can learn to build confidence. Um, are the same across the board, and um, yeah, it's been really, it's really really exciting for us to be able to offer this and finally, and specifically to young athletes, because um, as I said, yeah, super passionate about um, helping athletes to build the mental skills that they that they need to thrive in, in sport and in life, and um, and yeah, it's a three week course uh and we have a live call every sunday and then during the week they have the online um component and the app component and um training journal and things like that and then we go through everything go through all the themes and any questions that they might have on the live call and yeah just the feedback that we're getting so far um from these young people has been so incredible and. Um, yeah such a privilege to be on their team um and yeah so we'd love to do this with as as many young athletes as possible whether elite or a sub elite or you know it doesn't matter whether just starting out in sport um and you know it doesn't matter who you are and I think that's one of the things that we identified as well is that you know a lot of the time these sorts of courses are only accessible to young elite athletes and we wanted to make it accessible to everyone um because it doesn't it doesn't matter what your performance is or you know how good you are at a certain sport Um, if you're passionate enough about it and it's something that you want to do these things are going to come up these you know as i said all of those challenges the self-doubt the injuries and the pressure and the nerves um, they're all going to come up and it's about Um, learning the mental skills and um, to be able to overcome those things in order to have a really good experience but not just have a good experience the research around learning these mental skills and applying them and um, the correlation between that and high performance is massive Um, so you actually perform better when you can um, learn these tools and skills um, to be able to control your mental game. Um, yeah, and then the Marathon State of Mind course is a six-week course specifically for marathon runners and we've teamed up exclusively with the Sydney Marathon um, to be able to take uh, all of the marathon runners um, through a course um, in order to run, you know, their best marathon and have their best marathon experience. Um, So, yeah, super excited about that too. Obviously starting that um, about six weeks before the Sydney Marathon this year. Um, And if that's you, if you've signed up and registered for the Sydney Marathon, you can go online and, um, and register for the course
0: oh awesome that's great i and i i wish those were around 10 years ago because well i re- i ran my first marathon in 2013 it was 10 years ago geez that goes quick um and wow. i can tell you right there if i had a couple of mental skills at 35k i reckon we've done a lot better so <laughs> that's 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 really cool and and all the best um i'm really looking forward to hearing the progress and how you go with sort of year one with the um the the Sydney marathon and yeah keep keep in touch with that that's fantastic um the other thing, uh the other initiative, the for purpose um initiative that you're involved in that a lot of people will know that you're involved in is of course the Love Mercy Foundation. Um in yeah. year thirteen or fourteen, I think now. It started in twenty Yeah, year, f- year
1: thirteen. Yeah.
0: Wow, amazing. So of course, founded with um uh, uh Sydney julius Olympians, Julius Akon. Um actually made yep. the final of the Sydney Olympics in the 500 Reds, didn't know that. Um yep so a a phenomenal athlete um a a ugandan man and um you met up with him and basically saw the need uh to basically help in in a region that that needed help and you've gone on to do some some wonderful things raising um a lot of awareness a lot of money for some very um underprivileged communities and, and and women as well um in uganda do you want to just talk about i guess how that 13 years has affected you um, personally. But then also you went back a couple of months ago to sort of see a lot of the work that's been done in those communities. There's some beautiful imagery on your Instagram of it, um, which I, I love following along with as well. And I guess just, yeah, how, how it's changed your life for the better.
1: Yeah, uh, it has changed my life for the better. I think, you know, meeting Julius, you know, I just missed out Well, I just got injured in was. Potentially about to miss the third Olympics that I'd tried out for, and so I was in a real, um, really difficult place. Um, I wasn't sure, you know, whether I was meant to be running anymore. Wasn't sure if I wanted to be running anymore. I was pretty um, despondent about the sport, I was despondent about my body, and not holding up to the training that I needed to do, that I felt that I needed to do to be um, a great athlete. And so, yeah, meeting Julius was, um, yeah, a pivotal moment in my life and hearing his story and his his vision for his communities and to help people get back on their feet after 25 years of, of civil war was inspiring and and humbling and and um yeah and teaming up with him it was just it was fun to be honest we became really great friends from the outset and um it was hard but i think he brings a real lightness um to every friendship and to everything that he does and um and that really helped I think to kick things off, and no, I think I just found real purpose in my running after that. After starting Love Mercy and running, it took on a greater purpose for me. And so, yeah, it's been such a privilege to do to be able to do this for the last 13 years. And um, yeah, we exist to to help communities. Um, have access to education clean water and income generating um projects and um yeah we've been i was able to go back last year for the first time since covid um, and just see the impact of all of you know the the fundraising and the the projects that our that our team on the ground um go through you know and have been working on for the last 13 years and um, just to go back and actually have feet on the ground and, and see the impact and be able to share stories and, and, and listen to, to stories of testimony and stories of change um, was incredibly powerful. And, you know, I think it was so refreshing as well. Um, you know, a lot of our our role back here in Australia is fundraising and it's um you know, James to say, you know yourself, it's not it's not easy, but we have some wonderful, wonderful relationships, and we have a wonderful community of supporters um, locally and globally. and um, yeah, that really believe in you know in the initiatives and believe in the cause, believe in the vision. And I think it's really just about um, helping people to see that they can make a difference on the other side of the world with a small amount of money and they can make a huge impact. And to me, there's, there's purpose in that. Purpose comes from, you know, making an impact in the people in the world around you. And, um, that's what our, our Love Mercy community, our Love Mercy family are about and, um, yeah it's exciting to go and visit the wells that we have been able to drill in the last um, three years um, since the last time we've been back and you know one of them was in the primary school and we saw all of the kids at lunchtime just playing on this grass field and i was thinking of my daughter you know who's also primary primary school age she's in year four and Um, you know, I asked Julius where the nearest well was that they had been drinking out of. And he pointed a couple of hundred meters away to a swamp that the kids, that was their previous water source. And they had been drinking out of a swamp that they'd been sharing with cattle and, um, and I have heard, you know, for the last 13 years we've experienced stories like this before and, um, you know, it, it motivates us to, to do more. And, um, but, yeah, that was a powerful moment just actually seeing the impact that it will have on these kids' lives to be able to drink clean water during school before school, after school, not having to leave school to go and walk to a clean water source, which was three kilometers away. Um, Not have to drink from a swamp, which was 200 meters away. Having clean water at your primary school, how cool. (laughs) um, And it was, you know, seven and a half thousand dollars. And somebody from Australia said, hey, I can do that. I can, and that's the transaction. That's the transaction. It's someone, you know, who's in a privileged position, who is privileged because merely because of where they were born going, I have that amount of money and I can make a difference to 500 primary school kids, you know, within a month and have this well drilled and give them clean water. And, Yeah. It's incredible to be able to then go back to that particular supporter and go, this is, this is life-changing and, you know, your generosity and being able to do this because, you know, your business has been going well or you needed a tax deduction. <laughs> I don't know. Um, like, yeah, it's, it's incredibly powerful and it's why we do what we do um, to see the change that we see and, um, yeah, it was really wonderful to go back again last, last month. And yeah, Julius is actually coming this Saturday, uh, and he's staying with us for the next 10 days. And, um, we're going to go visit a few of our donors and, um, yeah, just have take him around and, and, and uh, he's, it's been three years since he's been able to visit Australia as well. He visited just before COVID. So it would be really nice for some of our donors to hear from him and for him to share stories of change and impact. And, um, yeah, we're going to go on a couple of runs and, uh, yeah, obviously our mother run is going on at the moment. So it's where we've got a community of over 100 people this year running 5K a day in May. Uh, to raise money for our Christina Health Clinic um, in Uganda and for the maternity ward at the Christina Health Clinic, um, so we're trying to raise money um, for uh, that space and to for some renovations for the antenatal unit and also um, for a new ultrasound machine, um, just to be really detailed on, on you we're gonna get an ultrasound machine. We're hoping to raise enough money for an ultrasound machine that shows the um, the blood going from the placenta, the blood flow going from the placenta to the baby, um, which is not what the current ultrasound machine does. It does a lot of things. It can tell whether mums are having multiple births, which is amazing. It can obviously see the heartbeat and things like that. Um, but this one will be huge in terms of diagnostic um, uh tools and and um being able to see that blood flow from the placenta to to the baby and any woman who or man who's been part of that experience in an ultrasound when you've um when you're pregnant will know how crucial that is so um really excited to be able to the goal is fifty thousand dollars um so if you want to donate go on to lovemercyfoundation.org and you can sponsor anyone. My little girl Indy's doing 2K a school day, um, (laughs) which has been super fun, super challenging for her actually, 2K a school day. Um, And yeah, I'm obviously doing 5K a day, but nobody really sponsors me because they're like, Elsie, you just do that all the time. But if you go onto our website and find someone Um, There's a lot of people that this is really challenging for. 5K a day is a real challenge for a full month. Um, So if you go onto our website and just pick a couple of names and just, you know, make someone's day and flick them a donation, um, it would really put a boost into their step for the last sort of 13 days that we have left of this month.
0: Well, I'm pretty blown away at the moment. Um more <laughs> than most are doing. Um, congratulations and everything. Um I'm sure we'll put a link in there in the in the show notes as well um for, for when we get this out. Hopefully later this week, um, to to give you know, a good 10 days or so to everyone to um to get on board uh that the uh, the mother rain campaign. So thanks for putting some light on that. Um Elsie, I just wanted to jump back onto some running chat. Uh I wanted to touch on your last Olympics, because obviously you're trying to go for the marathon Paris, uh, but your Rio campaign was something pretty extraordinary. Um, ninth in the five thousand meter final and tenth in the ten thousand meter final. You also had to run a five k heat to get into that final, so just a casual twenty k. Um, <laughs> it, it was a phenomenal campaign. Did uh, so sorry, uh, just those times as well. Fifteen oh one. For ninth in the five thousand final and thirty one fourteen for the ten thousand meter final, it's extraordinary times. Do you want to just take us back to to Rio for a second and um, what what your thoughts were going into both those finals and um, having the the mindset of actually going up and putting yourself right in amongst the uh, the might the absolute might of the Africans and and this era the the twenty terms were all about the Kenyans and the Ethiopians.
1: I just remember being so ready. I remember, you know, we had we had a full month in Laguna, um, which is in California, uh, Mount Laguna, our training base, and at altitude, and there was about. Twelve of us there, um, including little Indy. She was like the little mascot for the whole team. <laughs> um, I remember Brett Robo playing hopscotch with her quite regularly out, <laughs> out on the, out in the car park um, between training sessions. But yeah, I mean, we just had an amazing camp. I um, was really fit. I was um, mentally in a really good headspace, and just ready to lean into um, to any possibility. And I remember just being super excited about the opportunity to run for Australia again at another Olympics. And I think in London, my first Olympics, I, I didn't take a lot of risks and um, that was intentional. Nick was so much about getting me to the starting line at the london olympics and ticking that box and living that dream which i was so grateful for and really grateful for his wisdom and guidance in that um because i probably wouldn't have made those decisions to kind of conserve and preserve myself um otherwise but he was like we just need to get there this time (laughs) we need to get there for you for the sake of your future in the sport we need to we need to make sure that you live this dream and um but yeah Rio four years later it was a different conversation he was like if you want to go and ruffle some feathers in Rio you need to take some measured risks and that was a conversation we had in January of 2016 so sort of six months from the Olympics we're at Falls Creek and he said you know we're going to take some measured risks we're gonna we're gonna put we're gonna go all in We're not going to cut 30% of your mileage this time. You're a more robust, stronger athlete. You haven't been injured in, you know, many years. Well, I hadn't had a stress fracture at that point for five years. Um, So I was confident that I was like really healthy in terms of bone density and all of those um, sort of markers that, Um, show good health and vitality and show that I was ready to, to, you know, put in a really good foundation of training. And so, yeah, we did that. And yeah, I was just so glad that it paid off and making the final with Genevieve and Madeline was really special too. It was the first time we'd ever had three Australian women in the final. Jen and I had done the whole build up together in Mount Laguna and just doing that with her was you know, something that we'll never forget too, just going through the whole roller coaster ride of emotions of, you know, um the training camp to, you know, the, the pre-camp in Florida and then the actual Olympics and we room together. So just and then just making the making the final, lying in bed the night before the final, going, Are you awake? <laughs> yep, are you awake? <laughs> like just just like schoolgirls, like just not um not really knowing what was ahead of us, but being ready for anything. And um, yeah, it was just a magical experience is how I would describe it. Um, And yeah, one that I'll never forget, but to both Olympics were completely different in terms of performances and there was a reason for that. And, you know, um, there was good reason for that, so Yeah, I'm just excited about the opportunity that I have now to try and make another Olympics um, in Paris next year. Obviously, I'm going to try and make the the marathon. And, um, yeah, it's just about I think things need to come together, don't they? Like things need to – I know that, you know, my experience shows that they need to come together at the right time and you need like some things you can control. And you want to try and do everything that you can to try and um, help them to come together at the right time. And yeah, that's what I'll be trying to do and um, and hope that it all works out. And um, I believe that I've got the ability to do it. And, you know, before you run 225, 10, I think that um, I know that I can run faster than that um, on a good day. And, um, with a with a really good build. And so, um, yeah, that's, that's the goal. And again, super uh, privileged that I'm in this position. Didn't actually expect to be, I want to say, because um, wasn't sure whether I would be a good marathoner or not um, before I ran my first one. I was like, what if I'm not good at this? <laughs> I remember saying that to my best friend. And she's she's like, yeah, but what if you're bloody amazing? <laughs> um, you know, and I kind of thought, oh well, yeah, that's like it's a really good that's a really good way to go about it, you know, like what if what if why why not me? You know? And I think um it's just the same headspace and stance again of like what could be possible here. This is exciting, I get to be part of this and um Yeah, especially because it's probably the most competitive that we've ever had, the biggest depth of, um, you know, that we've ever had, especially in female marathon running in Australia. So um, super exciting time and super challenging to make teams, but you got to level up. Otherwise, you won't go. (laughs) Um, So I'm just trying to level up.
0: It's it's a really good point. It's exactly what I was going to touch on, Elsie, is the, um, the extraordinary depth and talent at the moment. It, it gets talked about all the time and rightfully so, female marathoning in Australia. How how do you go about it? Because there's times being, you know, Australian records by Sinead Diver, crazy, you know, gold medals by um, Jess Stenson, um, crazy times by Lisa Waitman. Like, obviously, you're really happy for one another, but at the same time, there's three spots for the Olympics. So I'm just I'm, I'm just really interested here because we hear a lot of, you know, I'm so happy for her. But at the end of the day, like there's three spots, right? There's got to be a little bit of rivalry. Is there anything in your mind where it's like, um, I, I'm i okay if I don't be, go because there's three better athletes than me going? Or like, is there anything? Or is it just, no, I'm 100% happy and, and there's there's um that that's all there is to it the three best athletes will be there on the day i'm just really curious on that because i don't know whether it'd be the same on the men's
1: side um i think like if you think about it like this for me it's them running well isn't taking anything away from me like and nobody else running well And I know that some people go, yeah, but they might run faster than you and take the Olympic spot. No, they didn't. I just didn't run as fast as them. That's on me. (laughs) Um, So I can celebrate them because ultimately that's going to make me faster. And also it's inspiring what Sinead is doing and Lisa is doing and Jess has done, like it's incredibly inspiring and um, it's, has made me believe that, you know, I've got many more good years in my career left. And if I didn't have that, I don't know if I would be thinking that. Um, If I didn't have, you know, like women that are older than me that are, you know, more advanced at the marathon distance for me, still running, still killing it, breaking the Australian record. I don't know if I, would you know, it's a, they're an example for me to look up to. And So it helps. It actually helps. So, and I think if you live your life um, being worried about someone getting ahead of you, I just know that it's never helped me before. And I know that I've been through, I've had experience of being through that mindset of going, oh, like, I don't, you know, I don't want to see, you know, like I've been through that and it's not helped me. It's not, it's not been open. It's actually not who I am inherently as well. Like I actually am really open. Um, I'm at my best when I'm cheering other people on because I know that I'm cheering myself on at just as loud. And when I'm not doing that, it means that I'm not here. Te- like I don't have no belief in myself. Um, so yeah. I don't know if that makes sense, but it's, that's kind of how I see it. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's good. It's, it's all good. Um, it's, it means if you, if you're on the Olympic team next year, you're on the, you know, if you're on the, yeah, you're on the Olympic team next year, you are meant to be there. And, um, yeah. And I think I'm patriotic like that too. I'm kind of, I'm kind of like, I just want to, I, I truly want to see the best three women go. And if that's, if I want that to be me, desperately want that to be me doing everything I can for that to be me. And, um, but it, ultimately it will be the best three women that will go. And part of that is in my control and part of it is not and the part that's not I don't have to worry about because I can't control it <laughs> you know um so yeah there it is it helped I think it it's much more in my personality to be really light and open and encouraging and cheer others on because I know that that's that's coming from who I am inherently as a person and or, particularly as a person rather than being, um, I don't know, rigid. <laughs> <I guess laughs> that's a word. Rigid awesome. oh. or, or, or just worried or worried about, you know, people getting ahead um, because it makes – I actually think that worrying about people getting ahead of you, it doesn't help you make good decisions about your training – about your racing, that you you're actually trying to force it too much. and um I don't want to live like that. <laughs> That's yeah. a
0: great answer. I, I think it's it's such a metaphor to not only how you approach life and marathon but also how you approach your races as well um and such a it's such a a, Mm. i feel like a mentally healthy approach to it i i only i knew exactly how you're going to answer that question i only say that because i feel like a lot of athletes wouldn't have the same approach And, and and maybe that is um you know not part of their undoing but maybe there would be better athletes if they they had that slightly better and again it comes back to that that mental state of mind whether they actually approach not only races but qualifying for an event and you yeah, know, looking too much at world athletics ranking tables and um you know and, and strava profiles and this sort of thing so uh no i i, I really appreciate that that response thank you um Elsie i've taken up way much way too much uh, probably double of your lunch break um thank you so much again for your time um so the next the next 15 months are, um, are are so exciting for, for any athlete, um, any track and field athlete. The Paris Olympics, um, hard to believe, are only three years um, after Tokyo, and and it's it's like half the time's already passed after that. A lot of people will be sort of in the Olympic cycle at the moment. Um, what does the next sort of 12 to 15 months look like for you? And I guess, again, outside of times so of performance, what are you looking for from yourself um, as, as an athlete?
1: Yeah, well, outside of times and performance, um, I really just want to stay in the moment as much as I can, like staying in the present moment. I know what I want to achieve, like I know the big goal, but then just coming back to step by step, what what do I need to do day by day that's going to take me in that direction? And then... Um, if I, I know that if I focus on that and be intentional about, you know, just the day to day and, you know, being present in what I can, can control each day, then I'll end up where I want to be instead of completely fixating on this huge goal ahead and making it really stressy and um, I don't know, pressurized and, you know, losing sleep over it. I just don't think that I don't think that it takes you in the direction that you want to go and I think it actually again it doesn't make you doesn't allow you to make good decisions about your body and about training and I need to do that because you know Nick and I train he coaches me by correspondence and yes I have Johnny and, and, and Rory and other people to, to tell me how I'm looking at the track and how I'm looking at training and listen to different cues but Ultimately, I need to make good decisions around when to back off or, you know, when to have a rest day or things like that. And those things added together, um, they make a big difference. And having the mindset of, okay, what do I need to do today to make me feel good on this date and to make, you know, and to make me, like, get the best performance that I can on this date Um, and just, you know, controlling, as I said, controlling the things that I can control is how I'm going to go about it.
0: Eloise, Thank you so much for your time. This has been such a cool talk. A little bit of running, a little bit of um, Love Mercy talk, a mental state of mind talk. Um, It's been really informing as well as entertaining. Uh, Have a great day. Enjoy the rest of the day in the, the Love Mercy office. Keep doing great things. Uh, with your wife, and uh, i'm sure that we'll check in with you um after the next race or two and and uh yeah chat soon thanks so much
1: thanks jimmy love your work mate